0: This month, the U.S. Ed Department launched an unusual marketing blitz.
1: Teachers are dynamic leaders.
0: It includes a TV ad that tries to encourage people to become teachers.
1: Shaping a new generation. Innovating how they teach to prepare students for our- You're hearing a bit of it now.
0: It especially tries to bring more diversity into the teaching profession. Experience the unique joy of helping students thrive. Teaching is a journey that shapes lives. Are you ready? This national ad comes at a time of teacher shortages at many schools and districts. And it's not just a problem of how to find teachers today, there's a worry that not enough new teachers are being trained to fill the needs of the future. That's because since around 2010, the number of students enrolled in teacher prep programs at U.S. colleges has fallen by more than a third according to the american association of colleges for teacher education that's a drop in students from about 900,000 in 2010-2011 to only 600,000 in the 2018 to 19 academic year the president of the national education association has called this need to shore up the supply of teachers a five alarm crisis so how are teacher prep programs responding can more people and more people from a variety of backgrounds convinced to join the teaching profession in this particularly trying time. Hello and welcome to the Ed Surge podcast, where every week we look at the future of learning. I'm Jeff Young, an editor and a reporter here at Ed Surge. We are a nonprofit newsroom covering all levels of education. So this week, we are looking at efforts to bring more people into teaching. Because it turns out there is a lot going on. And there are bigger questions here about whether the teaching job itself really should change. It turns out the dip in interest in teacher prep programs started even before COVID. In fact, many experts say that a big cause was the 2008 financial crisis.
2: had a lot to do with uh, the changes in people's finances, I think.
0: That's Jacqueline King. She's a consultant for research policy and advocacy at the American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education.
2: Students were unwilling to consider taking on the amount of debt that they might have to take on to to, to do a bachelor's degree to go into a field where compensation was so much less than other fields that they could enter with a bachelor's degree. So we yeah. think that was a challenge. We also think that the fact that... Um, the recession of 2008 had a long-term impact on funding for schools. Um, you know, that whenever there's a recession, states and localities feel it first and they feel it longer. And so we know that funding was cut to schools, which made them less attractive places for people to want to work. So um, we think there was sort of a cumulative effect of a number of different things going on. Um, There was also a backlash against kind of the no child left behind movement of accountability. And was that making it um, less enjoyable to be a teacher? Um, So just lots of factors that seemed to be coming together, um, resulting in declining interest in going into teacher preparation programs, um, beginning at the end of the last decade and going through um, right up until the pandemic.
0: And this expert on teacher prep programs points out that there were forces at work, even before 2008, leading to a more gradual reduction in interest.
2: There had been a long-term decline, right, just historically, because of the changing roles of women in society, right? Right. When yep. my mother was a school teacher and she used to say, if you were going to college and you could stand the side of blood, you became a nurse. And if you couldn't, you became a teacher. Wow. Those were the right. jobs, right? Yeah. And yeah. it was back in the eighties that the number of women majoring in business eclipsed the number of women majoring in education. Like those two lines, those two trend lines crossed each other way back in the 1980s. So. There was a long-term change, right, just in mm-hmm. society that impacted education,
0: which is g- good news about about options and and yeah, just uh, an equality.
2: Anybody equality. wants to go back, but it was the case, you know, that um, that many many co- you know for college-educated women, that was one of the few avenues and routes available to them. So. So there was that. Um, and then it kind of plateaued out for a while and, and, and enrollment stayed pretty steady. And then after 2008 is when it started to, to drop.
0: Of course, the pandemic did not help. The group found that in 2020, about 20% of teacher ed programs had seen enrollment drops of about 11% or more because of the pandemic. And the stresses of the pandemic have led more teachers to leave, increasing the need for newly trained educators to replace them.
2: Literally. It definitely exacerbated teacher shortages because we had a lot of working teachers leave the field, take, retire, move into other jobs, decide that, you know, teaching was just getting too difficult and they were going to go do something else. So we saw shortages. Um in the traditional areas where we've had shortages for years, that's the education, English is the second language, STEM education, uh, career and technical education. Those got worse. And in some localities, we started seeing shortages in areas where we have not previously had shortages, such as elementary education. Um, So it definitely made the shortages worse.
0: It turns out that doing recruitment is not something that ed schools had had to do much of in the past. That was clear when I connected with Stan Harward, Associate Dean of Utah Valley University's College of Education.
3: We used to uh, have lots of students come into our program. We never worried much about that. We just said, here we are, come, we're ready for you. In the last two or three years, though,
0: this ed school has started working with high schools in the area to introduce students to its program and sell them on the teaching profession. The program brings high school students to the campus for a half a day to take a tour of the education school and meet with professors to ask questions.
3: So they would go from different uh, place to place within our schools, and and they would, like, they'd meet with our advisors, and they'd do some activities, um, actually kind of fun activities. They've made these little bracelet things with uh, UVU beads on them and and at the same time they talked to them about our programs. They visited our creative learning studio and worked with robots that we show what we we do and what teacher what future teachers learn at our school. We had them uh, meet with our clinical people and they learned about uh, what it's like when they'll be going out into the schools and working with kids themselves. And so those were some of the kinds of things that we had and we had prizes and drawings and you know we had some of our very best professors talk to him about how powerful teaching is and how fun it is. And. and he says high schools throughout the state have been adding classes for
0: aspiring teachers in partnership with the Utah State Board of Education. It's a series called Teaching as a Profession. One of those classes is offered as a concurrent enrollment course with Utah Valley, so students can start earning college credit toward a teaching degree even while they're in high school. One of those classes is offered as a concurrent enrollment course with Utah Valley, so students can start earning college credit toward a teaching degree, even while they're in high school. So what do high school students who come on these tours ask about what being a teacher is like?
3: They're more concerned about bread and butter things like the pay that I'll receive, can I raise a family on it, or the kinds of pressures I'm going to have when I'm Working with behavior problems, they hear a lot about that now, especially since COVID. And uh, we met with uh, several districts the other day, and they mentioned something interesting. They said that since COVID, they're struggling a little bit more with younger students than they are with older students. They say they're the uh, they're as far as some of the behavior situations that they're working with are a little. They're seeing more of it in younger grades than they are older grades. So I thought that was interesting. So there are some things we're going to be doing with our students to help prepare for those kinds of things. So
0: I see. And so since COVID, you were talking about obviously we we know that um, the parents of these kids went through a lot, um, maybe financial hardships or obviously health issues. So potentially. Um, so that that is kind of coming coming into schools and manifesting in, in behavior issues, maybe.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That. And then I think uh, just the, 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 you know, students are a little behind. I think they're trying to do whatever they can to help them catch up, but, but there they have seen some of that. In fact, I've heard some professors say at our university that some of the student that I, I don't hear this much right now, but right after that the students were a little behind when they came into the university so they're having to do some adapting to help mm. them succeed but yeah
0: but if these high school students do end up coming to utah valley university that doesn't mean they'll actually major in education
3: so the the trick is for us is that once they get to the university we we build a pathway to the university then what in the past some of the, a lot of these students would come and then we don't see them for two years until they get into our program. And by that time, several of them have gone off on, you know, somebody's talked them into going to something else. So, so we're trying to build a pathway all the way, even after they're in school with us at UVU, then we work with them and stay connected. We have a future educators club now and we, we do some other things with them. But that, so that's one of the things we do with those pre program. Our pre-UVU uh, students. Then once you get there, we have a bunch of other stuff that we're doing. So, But they do have very thoughtful questions.
0: Jacqueline King of the AACTE says that there are many efforts now across the country that go into high schools hoping to inspire the next generation of teachers.
2: You have programs like Educators Rising, which have chapters in high schools for students with an interest in the teaching profession, where they get to go visit schools sit in on different kinds of classrooms, talk to working teachers to get mm-hmm. a sense of the field. And then they can take dual enrollment courses and and short, shorten their time to a bachelor's degree. So you're seeing programs like that. You're also seeing a lot of programs. And I should stop and say, that's really helpful as well for diversifying the profession and for responding do shortages that are, can be particularly acute in rural communities, yeah. where it's really hard to get people to move into a community. They're, we call them "grow your own," right? You, you need people from that community who are committed to that community, whether that's an inner-city neighborhood or a small town in the, you know, to want to work in that community.
0: She adds that a growing number of efforts focus not on high school students but on adult students who might want to career switch into teaching.
2: There are now a lot of programs around the country focused on creating a career path into full, fully licensed teaching for the people who already work in school, for teachers aides or what we call paraeducators, um for bus drivers and other school cafeteria workers and all these other people who already work in a school, already know they enjoy working in that environment, and want to take their career to the next level. So there's programs to help those folks go back um, and get their degree. They often combine their, um, what we call clinical preparation, but people typically think of as student teaching. They can do that during their workday at the school where they already work, and they build that into their existing workday. Many of these programs are um, structured as apprenticeships because teaching is now a registered apprenticeship with the U.S. Department of Labor that unlocks some additional funding. So you can do this in a way that is low or no cost to the the, to the candidate. Um, They can continue to earn their salary and their existing job and then continue and continue their education fully paid for at the same time. So we're seeing a lot of that happening around the country. These apprenticeship programs, Grow Your Own programs are um, growing exponentially around the country. Um, and then there's also alternative pathways that have been set up for people who are career switchers, who already have a bachelor's degree um, and want to become a teacher. Um, those are sometimes offered by colleges and universities sometimes offered by other uh entities um they're widely varying in the level of preparation that they offer um, to candidates um, and oftentimes with those programs uh the candidate is put immediately into the classroom as the teacher of record um, that's a challenging model and that can only work when that person has got a lot of support around them um, there's a worry that we're growing those kinds of programs rapidly but because people don't feel fully prepared they're not staying in the job right it nobody wants to stay in a job where every day you come to work and you don't feel successful um that's particularly challenging when you have 30 young eyes looking at you and you're alone in a classroom in front
1: of 30 kids
2: so um so there's there's concern there's efforts to um try to Be really innovative about how you do these programs so you're making sure that people um, are really supported and get the skills that they need and can transition successfully into a long-term career as a teacher. And simultaneously, there's worry about that sector growing too fast and folks um, choosing it because it's quick and you can get a job immediately, but it not really being a long-term solution to the problem.
0: But some say that to build a stronger teacher pipeline, and a more diverse one, will take starting even earlier in children's lives. That's according to Maureen Kelleher, editorial director of Georgetown University's Future Ed.
1: Our own research, my colleague Lynn Olson, did a report last February called Teachers Like Us, Strategies for Increasing Educator Diversity in Public Schools, she was specifically looking at how do we get more teachers of different backgrounds into the profession, particularly when many of them may be first generation. They may be like first generation college students. They may be first generation immigrants. All of those economic pressures are hitting them extra hard and possibly discouraging them from teaching. Um, So she looked at it Across the entire pipeline from like when people start making their first decisions about what kind of career they might pursue, like as high school students or possibly even younger um, into college, into how are they prepared? And like, how are they supported into their first jobs and how do we get them to stay? So looking through all those stages of the pipeline, and there's a really interesting tidbit that I really want to share with you. Um, one of our senior fellows, Sharif El-Meki at the Center for Black Educator Development, uh, told us that, uh, as we know, white women dominate K-12 teaching, particularly elementary. And some research that they did show that the first time that Lots of little white girls here, oh, you should be a teacher, is as young as third grade. Um, black men, maybe no one ever told them that until college or after college. So, like, the idea isn't even there as they're sort of thinking out, like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Um, so, some of it is just building these much younger pipelines and saying, hey, this could be for you. Take a look at this. So a lot of what they do at the Center for Black Educational Development is, Black teacher development, is to start younger, to have high school and college students do summer teaching with elementary school kids, showing them, yes, you can be a teacher. Look, you're doing it now. And we're going to be with you every step of the way as you go through your preparation and into your hiring process. And that's a really different kind of deeper level approach to the work.
0: This researcher argues that as the student population gets more diverse, that makes it more important than ever to draw new teachers from all kinds of backgrounds.
1: We now have more kids of color um, than white students in the public schools, and that trend is going to continue. Um, So now it's about 52% students of color, and it's still 80% white teachers. And this is not to say... Something simplistic like a white teacher cannot teach a student of color. Um, I mean, again, talking from personal experience as a former teacher, I once co-taught a street law class in a predominantly Mexican-American neighborhood in Chicago. And my colleague was a law student who had grown up in the neighborhood, right? And like I was using all my teacher tricks to keep the kids focused. All he had to do was walk up there and they were just riveted because they didn't see somebody who looked like them up in the front of the room all the time. And they knew that he knew where they were coming from. There's, there's, there is there's, something that is indelible about that that is relevant to building relationships with students and it matters. Um, and research shows that
0: teaching is just more effective when schools have more diverse teachers.
1: Seth Gershenson is a researcher at American University, and he's done a lot of well-known research on uh, the effects of race-alike teachers in the classroom, looking at uh, students in North Carolina. So black students who have black teachers in North Carolina are much more likely to do better academically, to come to school more often over time this translates into increased high school graduation rates and college entrance rates and it's just even one in their elementary school sequence makes a tremendous difference in like how it in how attached they feel to school and how much it shows in their later trajectory so it matters i mean it's not everything that matters actually there was a study that i just read about this week This is newer research and probably not as gold standard vetted, but it does look, especially with math teaching. We all know your background as a math teacher matters, know how to do it. So there's been more research on North Carolina showing that, like, the quality of preparation matters to student outcomes in math teaching, but it's actually historically Black colleges and universities deliver quality preparation. So if you have a well trained Black mathematics teacher, as like a seventh or eighth grader, that's probably a double whammy in terms of its impact because you're having a really quality, well-trained math teacher, and you have somebody who looks like you showing you how to do math. So it, these kind of things, they make a difference. Um, and it's really important for students. I mean, we know it's hard to be what you can't, you know, it's hard. If you can't see it, it's hard to be it, right? So the more people we have in teaching, Who can be that point of connection for a student? That's what matters.
0: I had that conversation with Kelleher a few weeks ago, the day after US Election Day, where offices for school board were among those on the ballot. So I had to ask how much she thinks the culture war issues that are playing out in many schools are impacting who gets into teaching and whether this looks like an attractive field.
1: I think I think that does vary by region. I hear it more in terms of people who are in the profession, whether they're like shifting. Some folks are shifting into Catholic schools, for example, sure, um, going to a
0: kids, private. Sure, they're right.
1: They're, they want to get out of the crossfire, so they find. They, but they want to keep teaching, so that kind of thing. Folks may be like picking their teacher program or where they want to hide, find a job based on does this align with like what I want to be doing or not. And of course, there are teachers across the political spectrum, right? So I would just say that like last night's election results from the school board races that I've seen do suggest though, that like people are kind of tired, uh, you know, voters broadly are tired of these fights and they want people to get back to like teaching and not necessarily arguing all the time over what are we teaching and how do we support the kids we're teaching, What? blah, blah, blah get focused on, like, we have millions of kids who are still struggling academically from the pandemic. We have millions of kids who aren't even showing up to school. I do think there's some appetite for it. Let's, let's get back to the real basics of the situation here, and let's get people in the room who are committed to make a difference and, like, have been well-trained and are ready to be there for kids. As I talked
0: to these experts about how to attract new teachers,
1: it became clear that it was going to take
0: more than some glitzy TV ad or some campus tours for high schoolers. Jacqueline King argues that the actual job of teacher will need to change to become more attractive.
2: There are efforts underway now to really rethink the way that the educator workforce is structured, the way that schools are structured. You know, this notion that one individual is supposed to close that classroom door and meet the needs of 30 or so students alone. And the all thing to those 30 kids is a really, um, that's a, that's a hard model to make work. So, um,
0: but that's what Hollywood tells us as a teacher.
2: Yeah. You know, you watch the uh, stand and deliver, you know, the Jaime Escalante story, you see these uh, you know this this notion that teaching is this thing that you have to have a gift, right? You have to be this you have to be this gifted, uniquely blessed individual who's got this capacity to connect with students, um,
0: with any not student.
2: That it's a, a skill that can be learned and refined and honed over time, which is what it truly is, right? It's it's a knowledge base and a set of skills that you develop over a career. Um And other countries do a much better job of giving teachers the time and space to hone their skills in collaboration with each other. That's mm. the piece that I think is really exciting about the new models. They're breaking down this notion of the one teacher, one classroom model and putting teachers in teams. So uh you have novice teachers with more experienced teachers. You have a teacher who loves you know, in an elementary school, you have a teacher who loves teaching science and isn't that great at teaching English with a teacher who loves teaching English and would rather not teach science. Right. And they can work together. And that math, that that lead teacher, that's a career trajectory for that person. I think that's the other thing that's changed. It used to be kind of considered OK that a woman would come into a job as a teacher and never get a, a, a promotion the rest of her life. Most young women today want promotion. They want career advancement. So finding a way to do that, that also allows someone to stay in the classroom if that's what they want to do, right? The only way to get promoted prior to this was you had to become an administrator and leave the classroom. Mm. So uh, so at Arizona State University, they have an initiative called the Next Education Workforce. It started with schools in the Phoenix area. They're now operating in, I think, 10 or 12 states with schools and they are working with, with local universities there as well to really radically rethink the whole way that schools are organized and staffed so that um, it's a much more supportive, uh, you are part of a team, you work with colleagues, you're not alone in the room all day trying to figure it out on your own, um, you have support uh, you can build your own individual expertise based on your interests, uh, and you can advance in the uh, as an educator throughout your career. And it and students get the benefit then of multiple different teachers, each with their own um, expertise, their own talents, their own interests, as well as others. Because that team can include parent volunteers, it can include guidance counselors, it can include special educators for students who need that, it, you can really rethink the whole way schools are organized. You know, it's one of the few workplaces in America that hasn't changed since, appreciably since the 19th century. And it's time for that to happen.
0: Wow. So it's it's so interesting because you're painting a picture of, you know, obviously it's like there are these structural changes about pay um, that matter huge amount to anyone deciding what to do with their life. There's the kind of narrative and public perception of teaching, which there are new campaigns on. And there are these structural changes of the job itself that, that are changing. And, and so the recruiting piece is just one of many ways in which teaching as a field is, is responding.
2: Absolutely. It's everything from the recruitment to figuring out better ways to retain teachers. There have been, I will say, another bit of positive news. Um, because the pandemic brought the teacher shortage into such prominent prominence, I think more than 20 states have init- have introduced legislation for teacher pay raises. It caused many states to realize, oh wow, our, you know, we haven't given teachers a raise in X number of years or our, you know, teacher our teacher pay hasn't kept up with inflation. It's actually gotten lower over time. So right. there have been some positive responses that we've seen around the country. And she
0: said there's more good news. The increased outreach efforts by ed schools may have started to pay off. Nationally, enrollment in many schools of education has stabilized since the pandemic. And in some cases, it's even grown a bit. And at Utah Valley University... Harwood says that his school has seen only a slight dip in enrollment, which he describes as probably a couple percent. But he says the school has not seen the kind of big
3: drops that have hit some other ed schools. We've got a lot of students now taking intro to ed, which is interesting. So we're up in those classes. So we're kind of hoping to see a little bit of an upturn here.
0: But he said they are still going to work at it.
3: We're not taking anything for granted.
0: This has been the EdSearch Podcast. Every week we dig into how education is changing. You can follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. And please take a minute to give us a rating or a review. To keep up with what we're doing, you can also join the EdSearch Podcast newsletter, or sign up for any of our newsletters. Just go to edsurge.com and click on the Word newsletters. This episode was written and put together by me, Jeff Young. Editing help this week from Rebecca Koenig, and the music is by Komaku. We'll be back next week with more on the future of learning. Thank you for listening.